for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 319 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Whitten. And buddy, I don't know about you, but I'm still kind of riding high off of Star Wars Visions last week. That's very true. I've gone back and watched a couple of them over. Yeah, I have also started the rewatch. And then it it also had this like um, domino effect of... Uh, have, like I've been in a serious anime mood. Uh, I watched Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away in the last week. Oh wow! Um, and last night, Jesse and I watched the final of the Evangelion rebuilds, which is it's got such a great title. <laughs> it's Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 Thrice Upon a Time. Oh my goodness. So, uh, and it's really good. It's really good. Uh, I say this maybe understanding 2% of what the fuck happened, but it was really good. Oh, really? Well, see, you're my, you're my go-to like for understanding abstract anime. <clears throat> this is going to take some rewatches and some deep dives on YouTube explanations and stuff. I'm joking when I say only got 2% of it, but it is very confusing. It's very confusing, but right. really good and beautiful animation, I might add. So this week, we're going to be talking about my dude, Boba Fett. We got some Big Book of Boba, Boba Fett stuff this week. We're going to be taking a little bit of a closer look at the first of the Star Wars Vision shorts, The Duel. And finally, we're going to be getting caught up. Uh, hearing from all you guys, our wonderful Moisture Farmer buddies. Before we jump into that, though, how about you follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And if you really, really enjoy the show and you're like, hey, I want to support these fools and this goofy Star Wars podcast they do, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. 
where we post all kinds of bonus podcasts on the uh, feed you get access to when you sign up. Um, we've recently had a newer uh, Cooking with Will. Last week, of course, I did my immediate reaction to Star Wars Visions. This week, I'll be having a episode go up where I discuss Star Wars, The High Republic, The Edge of Balance, the uh, somewhat new Star Wars manga that just released. Interesting. And, um, you know, we've got Star Wars Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel, uh, Podula Rasa with Emily Lind, Masters of Harvest Kasi with King Tom, Jaws with me and Jesse. Uh, Steve versus the prequels with my buddy Steve. And, oh no, it's Hulse. So on and so forth. Blue Harvest Adventure. So much bonus podcasts to be had over at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And a big shout out to our patrons. You guys are the best. They are the best. Buddy, you want to hear something crazy? Yeah, hit me. Pretty much exactly two weeks from today when we record this. You know what that will be? What will that be? Mine and Jesse's 10-year anniversary. That's impressive. How has it been 10 years already? It's been a decade. We spent a decade together. Mm-hmm. And somehow, she's still putting up with me. That's the real mm-hmm. impressive thing. Like, Unless we're doing something right. For me, that's just pretty easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lucky dude and all. For Jesse, they should make a statue, like a bronze statue. You know, I understand some some of the shit that women put up with. You know, Bruh. they deserve awards for. She's got to be thinking like, how many times are you gonna watch this Star Wars anime? And it's not like I'm making her watch it. She'll just be coming out of her office and stuff, and she'll be like, "This motherfucker's watching this again." How many theme park videos can this motherfucker watch on YouTube in a day? I saw this funny name for the uh, the Ochi and uh, what is it? Lop and Ocho. Lop and Ocho. That's right. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it was something like Jedi does not dream of of bunny senpai or some shit like that. <laughs> it was fucking funny. It was hilarious. Oh, speaking of Lop and Ocho, uh, I had the pleasure of being on the Rogue Rebels podcast again this week with our buddy Sal Perales and his lovely wife, Liz. Um, that was episode, I'm trying to pull up the episode number for you guys, um, episode 101. So check that out. We talked about Star Wars Visions and it was a very good time. Hell yeah. So, buddy, how have you been this week? I've been fine. I can't complain. You know what? I'm excited. Just taking care of the kids. Yeah. Doing the dad thing. Yeah. Being a good old dad, that Will Witten. Just daddy daycare 24-7 because my wife will come home in the morning and have to go to sleep mm-hmm. and then wake up and spend a couple hours with us and then go back to work for the night. So it's just... it's. Literally 24-7 daddy daycare. You know what I'm excited for this weekend? What is that? Getting together with you and the dudes and playing a little bit of the Halo Infinite Beta or yeah, uh, Flight or whatever the fuck they call this thing, man. 
It's going to be cool if yeah. it lets me in. I, I downloaded that first thing you sent me, and I, I hopefully it'll. I think it'll be I mean, fine because it seemed like a demo. It seemed like the demo program. I think it'll be fine. You know, check it tomorrow and figure out because you know it's only active for certain times. Right. Um, I'll say this: I played a little bit last weekend. Uh, it took me a little while to get used to, but once I did, it was pretty fun, and I'm really looking to i mean already was but even more so i'm looking forward to the full release yeah me too you I know what else to just see what the new thing is like you know what else i'm looking forward to the full release of will what is that the book of boba fett so am i <clears throat> you know what we got this week we got a poster and a release date for the book of boba fett december 29th my dude boba fett on disney plus finally getting the respect on his name that he deserves baby that's right december 29th now i gotta say cutting it close with that book of boba fett's gonna be coming out in 2021 cutting it real close there lucasfilm you got you got under the wire by two days Two more days, and that's officially a fucking 2022 release, right? Right. But hey, you know what that means? I get to stay, you know, get all the holiday stuff out of the way, decompress a little bit. Boom! We're into the Book of Boba Fett. That's what we have for your new year. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Um, interestingly enough, unless... They, because we talked about this a few weeks ago, unless they <clears throat> move the last episode of Hawkeye, the Hawkeye series that's coming to Disney Plus, they yeah. may be doing. They may be releasing the series finale or season finale of Hawkeye and the first episode of Book of Boba Fett on the same day. Oh wow! I've seen some people speculate that maybe the last episode of Hawkeye will come out on Christmas because the show, from the trailer, seems like it's kind of holiday themed as it okay. is. So people have been speculating that, but honestly, I don't know how you continue with the slate of Marvel stuff and the slate of Star Wars stuff that they have planned and not have crossover at some point. So this might be where we finally get. <clears throat> some crossover granted you know visions came out on the same day as an episode of what if but so yeah i mean that's already been broken yeah to a to an extent for sure <clears throat> but yeah i uh boy i can't wait me neither it's gonna be good uh what did you think about the poster i thought it was really cool i thought it was uh epic you know because it's clearly him sitting in that throne which is the last season, the last uh, image we have from the season teaser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from the end of The Mandalorian. Uh, look, I mean, for a poster <clears throat> that doesn't really show us anything new necessarily, boy, did it get me excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> now, <Yeah. clears throat> what it does kind of give us a look at is what looks to be some changes already to the new Boba Fett armor. Because, you know, he got his shit repainted in season two of The Mandalorian. And granted, this is just a drawing. This isn't like a... <clears throat> this isn't a publicity steal. So... Bruh. 
I had one good week. So <laughs> instead he wins the race. This isn't a publicity still. This is like an artist rendition. But you would imagine it would be fairly accurate given it's an official thing, right? But yeah. from the look of this poster, it looks like our, my buddy Boba's already getting some damage done to that new paint job, right? That was what I noticed. And that's what made me think that it was it was before those times. Well, it's not because it's the new, it's the darker paint job, right? Right. And, <clears throat> you know, there's some dings, some scratches. It looks kind of like he's got a bit of a John Locke scratch over one eye, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is it looks like they changed the undersuit yet again. You know, in Mandalorian season two, when he first shows up, he's wearing like the black robe and then he kind of puts the armor on on top of that. Then he gets it repainted. This right. looks like they're ditching the robe and going for more of like a black undersuit or flight suit or whatever. The collar, the big collar on the robe seems to be dialed back quite a bit. Um, Logistically, I mean, it needs to be space tight, right? Like, doesn't the whole suit need to be fit together? I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, I will say this. If you look closely, it looks like he's got a bit of a, maybe a, of a cape going on. You can see it sort of draped over one of his uh, shoulder pieces or his pauldrons. That's pretty classic. Feeling fancy. So <clears throat> it does look like he's going to have a little bit of a different look. Um, I do wonder if maybe that's sort of a result of people feeling like the with the robe with the armor kind of made Boba Fett look a little uh, like a little bulkier. So I wonder if they dialed that back down to get sort of your more classic Boba Fett silhouette out of it. Slim Fett. Or if it's just, I mean, you can always go the cynical route and go, hey, if you make some small changes to the costume, you know what you get to do then? Sell different figures, sell different merchandise yeah. in the new costume. I imagine it was probably picked, you know, I, I imagine the costume just naturally is a progression. Like you would want a suit underneath that armor. You know, you're not going to want a bunch of material robe. But uh, also, I bet it's something that fits all the stunt doubles well and, and yeah. looks convincing. Yeah. I, I feel like that has a lot to do with it. That could be very much the case as well. Um, I dig it though, you know, like talking about someone that's going to buy all the merchandise of the changed Boba Fett costume. That's me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's you're the guy. I'm the guy for that. I'm the sucker. The Fett is your man. Howard, you're a sucker. That's me. That's me. So yeah. <clears throat> now uh, look, if they, <laughs> if like every episode they change his armor a little bit and then I'm staring down the barrel of like eight different Boba Fett hot toys after one season of the book of Boba Fett. Right. Things might get dicey then buddy. Things might get dicey. Just see me giving plasma and shit going in and they'd be like, we ain't want your plasma. <laughs> we'll give you five bucks to go back home. Down oh, bad, oh, oh. Mick Foley. No way. Um, oh, dude, speaking, speaking of hot toys and people's reaction. Uh, so, you know, I have a home health nurse that comes by a couple of weeks. Right. Checks up on how I'm healing up. Make sure things are doing okay and whatnot. So the first time 
the nurse came by. She was like, hey, I'm going on vacation in a couple of days, so you're going to have a different nurse for the next two visits. I was like, okay, that's cool. So the the different nurse came by for the first time Friday, and then I saw her for the second time on Tuesday. I had a doctor's appointment on Tuesday, came home, and then the home health nurse came over shortly after. Right. And this time, you could tell, I guess she was a little more comfortable. You know, she's already met me once. Right. So she's sitting there checking everything out. And she goes, can I ask you something? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And she goes, do you guys have kids? And I go, before I can even say anything, she goes, because there's a lot of toys around this place. <laughs> okay. And I go, no, those are mine. And she goes, oh, okay. Okay. And, and, and like, what I wanted to say is, yeah, I have kids, and I make them keep all their toys in package. In packages, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody <laughs> wanted to carry on these jeans, lady. Look at me. Yeah, somebody was like, we need to continue that bloodline on. That I is- think she was worried that you had a van with no windows. You know what I mean? Like, I think she might was like, why you got no kids and all these toys? Bro, I didn't even consider that. I didn't even consider that. What she said was, do you have kids? And she didn't finish the rest of the sentence locked in a basement somewhere. <laughs> right. Oh, right. my goodness. Well, I don't think she's coming over tomorrow. Or other, otherwise, I'd be have to be like, hey, look. I, I ain't that kind of guy. I'm a look, collector, okay? I'm like, a collector. I, I really like... all the, in the boxes. I like to look at it I, and put I, it on display. I really like Star Wars and other things. You know, it, it is what it is. You, surely you know somebody else that's a collector, right? Right? But no, <laughs> no, I'm, that's not me, lady. And, and no, I don't have kids. Why would you... Look at me. Why would you continue this bloodline? Let it die off! <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. I think she walked in and it was like there being like a different sort of candy tube up the wall <laughs> and like no kids around. And shit. She came in and she was like, damn, I thought Toys R Us went out of business. <laughs> uh, There's Legos and Funkos and all kinds of shit. Is that He-Man? <laughs> so, yeah. You know who would love it and appreciate it? Uh, the cable guys. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The multiple cable times. Guys love that shit. Multiple times we've had people over, and I've anytime somebody says something about it, it's a pre, like they appreciate it. Like there's one time that, like you said, the guy, uh, guy came by to fix our internet, and I had this really nice conversation with him about Star Wars and Doctor Who and anime. He was a young kid, younger. Yeah. That's happened plenty of times. This was the first time I got like the, <laughs> how old are you and why do you have all this stuff? <laughs> this is the first time I got that. And yeah. boy, did I get it. Yep, you got it good. I don't even know that I told Jesse about that because that's one of those things. Actually, she wasn't here when the lady said that. Jesse had to, to go somewhere for work real quick. She came back like almost right as this lady was leaving. That's one of those things. If I told Jesse the next time that nurse, if that same nurse showed up, Jesse would say something. Yeah. It's like, no, we don't have any kids. We don't want kids. Look at what, it. 
What Why would we mean? continue on that bloodline? <laughs> stop. You gotta stop. <coughs> I just choked on my drink. Take choked on Teresa? <coughs> no. Choked on Teresa? No, I choked on my drink. Okay. Oof. Oh my goodness. <coughs> so yeah. Nurse did not approve of the collection. But that's all right. Not gonna yeah. not gonna let it stop me. Excuse Spunk me. Collector. <laughs> so displaying. Um I don't really know what else to say about the book of Boba Fett. We got a poster and a release date. I'm very excited. You know, I, I like imagine the, uh, the the ancient writing on it, and then the Rancor heads mm -hmm. where the arm rests are. That's really awesome. <clears throat> it's one of those things um, <clears throat> where you know, obviously, our next step is a trailer. When that's going to happen, I don't specifically know. It seems like a pretty safe bet would be November twelfth on that Disney Plus day. You know, they're having a big Disney Plus day presentation right yeah and they've already announced that on that day they're gonna have like a special feature on disney plus about boba fett which i'm sure is gonna just be one of those things that's like this is who boba this is who boba fett is and here's some of his history you know yeah <clears throat> regardless i'm excited excited about it all bring on the, the throne of mandalore it's not it's not. That's his... Do we know what it is? In the poster? Yeah, what kind of throne? Like whose throne it is? They, I, I assume that is a uh, throne that old Bib Fortuny had made up after Jabba. Because Jabba ain't fitting on that throne, right? That's not Jabba's right. throne. Jabba laid out, was laid out on like a fucking slab. Right? He had his own sail barge in the, in the, uh, the great room in the palace. Well, yeah, and then... What you call it? A dais? A da yeah, he had, like, a dais. Like, he... Like, the Jabba's a big boy. A dais, yeah. You ain't fitting a slug on this chair. So, something tells me either, like, Bib Fortuny pulled that out of storage, or, <laughs> like, he just had some... Like, he went to, like, you know, a maker fair on Tatooine and had somebody 3D print that stuff. And he was like, they wanna wanga. <laughs> they wanna wango. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Bring it on. I am too. So we wanted to talk, you know, last week we broadly covered, uh, Star Wars visions with our buddy, Steve had a blast. Uh, you know, we are looking at a little bit of a content drought as the weeks go on until, um, December or Disney plus day at the earliest. So I figured, why not, uh, uh, for the next few weeks, sort of approach each vision short one by one. You know, we didn't get these spread out like other Star Wars Disney Plus releases. We got them all at once. <clears throat> and I sort of, you know, enjoy the week-to-week -week release where we get to discuss things a little more in depth, right? Yeah, yeah. It certainly allows fodder for us to dig, you know, very deep every week. So this week, we are going to be talking 
specifically about the first of the Star Wars Vision shorts. That is The Duel by Kamikaze Doga. That is the studio who created this. Uh, It was... um, Directed by Takanobu Mizuno and written by Takashi Okazaki. And, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. This is the short that is also being spun off into its own novel, Ronin, which comes out in a couple of weeks officially. Um, And, uh, I mean, you know, we will be retreading some stuff. Uh-huh. Jesse almost scared me. I looked over and saw her text, and then she came up right next to me as I was reading. Um, we sounded like you went on the fritz for a minute. But uh, this is the perfect way to kick off visions, I think. Um, you know, the thing that I, I haven't started digging into until this week, and I figured we'd sort of take it one by one, is the special features that they released alongside visions and they have one for each of the shorts. So, yeah. uh, I checked out the one for the duel today and, uh, it's a wealth of information basically. It really is. And for a little seven minute short, there's a lot jam packed in there and a lot to, to take in, you know, uh, one of the main things they talk about is the specific Kurosawa, uh, influences, Right, and how important it was to make it look kind of old school, like a Kurosawa film. Yes. With the shading and trying to make it look as hand-drawn as possible. Yeah, and, you know, specifically, they mention Yojimbo and Seven Samurai as two of the main influences. And they also mention Lone Wolf and Cub as well. Um, Something I noticed, because, you know, I rewatched it tonight before we recorded um, and it's a very subtle effect, but I thought I think it's very cool. You know, it starts off with your classic Star Wars uh, Starfield. And if you look closely, that's in full color, as much as a Starfield can be, right? It's, you know, it's a white and black star or black and white Starfield, but it's dotted with different color stars. You know, there's some blue stars, some violet stars, so on and so forth. And then as it pans down to the planet, it slowly fades into that black and white scratched film, film grainy look. Right. That the, um, uh, that this short particular short has. And it's, I think it's super effective. And I, I, this is my third or fourth time watching this one and just noticed it this time for the first time. The, the thing I noticed on my last watch was how the, beginning characters were arabesque but they were in like that brush stroke style and it said the duel in arabesque like i thought that was really cool um and something that they pointed out in the special feature that i never picked up on um but obviously i picked up on it after watching this is how the bandits, right, that attack the village are visually based off the bandits from Seven Samurai. Because in Seven Seven Samurai, the bandits are very ramshackle. Where, like, where they just, they yeah. wear armor over bare skin yeah. and don't have shoes and stuff. 
something I didn't pick up on until it was pointed out to me. I think that's a really cool nod and touch to put in there. Yeah, in 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 the Seven Samurai movie, it's referenced that you know the bandits are so cheap they'll rob a samurai's body. It's dishonorable to take a dead man's armor. You know he should be buried in that armor. But bandits will kill samurai and or find samurai left dead on a battlefield and take pieces of their armor as their own. And that's why it's so hobbled together. Right. right. <clears throat> um, and another thing I really liked is they really stress like how much the staff of the studio are Star Wars fans to the yeah. point where like they were going home and like using toys as references to try and I was about to say, away. didn't that guy bring out some hot toy statues like a well, Tuscan Raider or whatever? That like, wasn't a hot toy. That okay, was some well, sort of sideshow. Not not dissing it, but that was some sort of I think sideshow uh statue. They um, were incredible. The, uh, yeah. the stuff that he was pulling out to reference. Like mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, you see a really cool part, well, I guess, when they're sort of designing their take on the Tuscan Raider. He pulls out this incredible statue of a Tuscan Raider, and they're using it as reference. <clears throat> um, doing a little research on the studio, on Kamikaze Doga, I um, didn't realize that they sort of specialize in a mix of 3D and traditional 2D. Because you saw them drawing by hand a lot. I saw a lot of paper being, you know, taped together and, you know, doing the little progression thing where you go, you know, three pages ahead. Yeah. And then, you know, they, you also see a lot of footage of them doing computer stuff. Yeah. And over the top of it, I think that is sort of this studio's specialty. And I mentioned last week, you know, they've done a lot of, um, They've done a lot of uh, uh, like opening sequences for different anime. They've done some for some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. They've done some anime cutscenes for some of the Fire Emblem games and the intro to like Mega Man X8 and stuff. Yeah. Um, so they've got, you know, a lot of experience. From what I can tell, though, They've never been in charge of a full series, you know? Interesting. Um, you know, they've done some OVAs. Um, I think they did Batman Ninja that came out a couple years ago, which was like one of those uh-huh. direct-to-video DC animated um, movies. Right. Uh, which I need to check out. Um, but yeah, they've, you know, they've definitely got history. Uh, it just seems like they've never been in charge of a full series, which I found interesting. <clears throat> um, I also liked how it went into the ways, you know, so the uh, uh, the whole thing is obviously a, a giant homage to Kurosawa, but right. they also found ways to reference Star Wars films in a couple of scenes. And we talked about last week, like the scene between uh, the Sith Lady and Ronan fighting on the log on the river kind of reminded us of Anakin versus Obi Wan in Episode Three. Well, they talk about they how, talk, yeah, exactly. Like I was gonna say, you nailed that one because that is definitely was a reference to that. And then I didn't pick up on it, but you know when Ronan 
<laughs> goes behind the waterfall and she's trying to suss out where it is. She strikes the waterfall with her lightsaber in a call like back Darth to Maul. Darth Maul in, in the Phantom Menace, towards the end yeah. of Phantom Menace. I didn't realize that either, but I get it now. I thought that was really cool. That's really deep. That's a deep cut right there. Yeah, and, and like <clears throat> this just this giant circular Kurosawa influences George Lucas. George Lucas influences these animators. These animators call on Kurosawa for influence and reference Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, right. I dig that. I dig that quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, one scene that I, I don't know why I didn't pick up on my first few watches, but, you know, just one of the these tiny moments is, right before or right after she does that where she strikes at the water um she uses the force to pull that log down the waterfall and split the water so she can go through yeah well she's using it the force to just hold the log from going over in the first place right right and then she pulls it to the bottom to make the split with the water right like you said by the way that character has a uh, official name now so oh, yeah. They released, I think, the first five chapters of the Roman Ronin novel as a preview this week, yeah. and that character is named, and I cannot remember what it is. Um, but uh, man, I can't wait for that book. It's gonna be cool. I want to dig more into this section of the Star Wars universe for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But. Uh, Another thing that I really liked uh, was that they mentioned that, as far as they're concerned, his story does continue. And it's easy enough to infer that from the animation. But it seems like, you know, even though this is, for all intents and purposes, meant to be a one-shot deal, they've at least thought, put some thought into what happens afterwards. Maybe he goes to another planet and helps people there and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So, it's really cool. And I want to shout out a couple of moments of, like, sound design in this. The Ronin unsheathing his saber. Amazing. And it's got a bit of, like, a a Kylo Ren saber vibe to it, too, right? Yeah. And then another one would be the big... uh, heavy Gatlin gun blaster yep. that the droid uses. That sound effect is so fucking cool. Yeah, it's really good. <clears throat> really, really cool stuff. Uh, the animation when he has to sheath his saber by her demand, mm-hmm. there's something about his hand and the way it moves is really good. It's in so that elegant, yeah. right? There's something exactly. about it. Um. Okay, I have a question for you. <clears throat> this is something I haven't been able to figure out, okay? So, yeah. he falls off the waterfall, and he goes behind it and hides in that temple or, or whatever that is, right? right? And he takes his saber and puts it in the statue's hand to fool her. Right. She comes through the waterfall, slices the statue in half, and then he impales her. Yeah. With what? His second sword. He has two swords, if you notice, just like a samurai. He's got a smaller he, one. Yeah. Okay. He's got two. It's probably like a katana and a wakazashi or whatever. Okay. Or 
I, now that I'm thinking about it, or the um, it's possible that the scabbard had a blade on the other. You know, that's a, what I thought because it, it looked like he was just using the. Because I thought he had two swords, but I, I could be wrong. It could just be the scabbard that's got. It, it looked like on. it was his scabbard, but I couldn't be sure. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Very I was wondering well about be. that. That might be something because, from what I understand the novel Ronin starts off retelling the events of this and then continues on. Right. So, uh, that might be something I could get some clarity from the novel on. Right. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really say enough. Like this is the, of all the shorts, I can't imagine a better one to kick things off with than the duel. So, um, I love Very it. well done. Yeah. You know. Oh, and in the English dub, did you realize that the uh, Sith lady was Lucy Liu? I did not. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Like it's good Lucy when you Liu. don't notice those things. <clears throat> so, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up about the duel? Uh, the, one of the other little things that I noticed is one of the first pans of the city there's a like a large board of art, and it's basically a scene from A New Hope, I think. Yeah, there's like a, oh. a Death Star depiction on it and stuff. Yeah, and like X-Wings swooping upward, like I think, if yeah. I remember correctly. Just like a nice little Easter egg. Because you know, yeah, in, right. in 2-1-B, or T-O-B-1, whatever, right, 2-1, not 2-1-B. In T-O-B-1, in that short, in his room... There's depictions of several different Star Wars scenes on the walls, including like the wall, uh, the Battle of Hoth and stuff. Right. So <clears throat> a lot of the these shorts seemed like they worked in some nice little Easter eggs like that, which yeah. I'm a big fan of. Give me something to look at in the background and be like, oh, check that shit out. Yeah. Um, just super happy with this episode. You know, if they make more, I- I'm down. I'm there. Yeah, at this point, I like so many of these and want to see so many of these characters continue that like I'm kind of torn because I also want to see new shit if we ever get more Star Wars visions. So, I mean, like, you know, the creator kind of suggested that, you know, he wasn't a Jedi or didn't want to be like, you know, he was a Sith. And I, and I don't know, in, in the when I rewatched it, I was like, it kind of portrays that he wishes he was a Jedi like. Well, no, I think unfortunately, I think he was a Jedi at one point, right? Was he? Yeah, like if if this if I gather correctly from the synopsis of the novel, you know, there was the big split between Jedi and the Sith, and then, uh, you know, the Jedi won against the Sith, and now I kind of get the feeling that he's out and about trying to atone for his role. Yeah in the war between the Jedi and the Sith, right? Yeah. Um, so when he says, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I am no Jedi, I think he means, like, anymore. Right. You know? I think it I mean, was... I once was, but yeah. I am no more. Yeah, and that's why he's a Ronin now, sort of wandering the galaxy and clearly taking out other Sith and taking yeah. the crystals. Which but, is a real uh, badass concept, if I'm going to be It's a badass concept. And, and, like, he is only ever defending himself, right? Like, it's always, well, I don't know that always, I don't want anything about. But in this one, you know, he was attacked. 
and he defended himself. It's not like he sought out <laughs> Sith. I guess maybe some element of him did, but well, I I do think that he was defending the city. Yeah, he was defending the village, which you know is a a noble pursuit. He was helping uh-huh. people in need. Like, um, it definitely seems like um, it's one of those things where even though he's not a Jedi, he's he's acting in a very Jedi way. Um, I think Jesse's like sneaking around trying to scare me a little bit because she just went to the fridge. She didn't scare me, but I looked over at her and she made a face like, ooh, I'm spooky. Yeah, ooh, spooky lady here getting some water. <laughs> hey, ma'am. We got some voicemails and some emails to catch up on. Do you want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's hear from our buddies. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Lou Herb. Cockhead, Hansberger. Cockhead, Will Wynn. Alrighty, hey, if you're listening to this show and you're like, hey, I want to send in a voicemail or an e, that shouldn't happen. It's ridiculous at this point. I should not have jumped at that. If you guys would like to send in a voicemail or an email, it's easy enough to do. Just send it to blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Come. We'd love to hear from you. Um, all right. <clears throat> Here we go. We're going to do our best to catch up. Let's start off with our buddy, the man himself, King King Tom. Tom Chansky. Hey there, Hawes and Will. Hawes, I'm really glad you're back, and I hope you're feeling better and that your recovery is going well. Also, I listen to your Patreon uh, thing, and I'm really glad that, you know, to hear that you dug Visions. Um, and you know what? The Ninth Jedi, that one was my favorite, too. Um, I, gotta, I have a question, and because this is really, I know YouTube are both big uh, fans of anime. Um, this is really the first anime or anime influence thing. Well, not anime influence, because there's a lot of stuff that has anime influence. Uh, but this is really the first anime I've watched. And this isn't a complaint, but I, it felt like all of them had, you know, the Force or Jedi elements. Even the, um, the, the Rock-On Tatooine, whatever it was called, one. You know, it, it had a character who was a former Jedi, his lightsaber played a part. 
Do you think they could have done um, any shorts without involving the Force or the Jedi? You know, something about the Rebellion versus the Empire or smuggling. Um, I don't know. It's just a question. I, I thought I thought they were were great, and yeah, there were some that weren't my thing as much as the others. But I still found things things that I liked about them. But I was just wondering if they could have done one uh, without relying on the Force, the Jedi. Um, or you know lightsaber fights. Although I will have to, say, I do have to say, the all, even in the ones I didn't like, the lightsaber fights were great. Um, they were all very visually compelling, and that's the type of thing that I like. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to the great podcast. Uh, keep it clean, and I'll talk to you later. You know I be keeping it clean, King Tom. Um, so that is that would be one thing for sure. I would like to see. <clears throat> from potential more Star Wars Visions content, right? I would like them to vary it up. Look, what draws, what initially drew me into Star Wars and why I love Star Wars so much are Jedi versus Sith and lightsabers and the Force, right? Right. But I could definitely do with some variety. And it makes sense that at least in this first batch, so much of it, would be focused on the Jedi because the Jedi are very inspired by samurai, right? Right. So you can see why they would focus on that so much. But there's definitely a lot of <clears throat> um, uh, other avenues I'd like them to explore, right? There's a pretty famous fan animation out there that you can watch on YouTube <clears throat> that's like TIE fighter pilots in anime style. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that, pretty perfect. It is pretty perfect. Something like that in um, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, Star Wars Visions Part 2 or whatever would yeah. be really cool. Um, you get the Gundam folks to do a, a Starfighter. That would be really cool. Like since we're since we're allowing these creators right to do whatever they want with Star Wars, give me a Star Wars Mecha short. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Yeah. Why because not? It, in Gundam, there's basically the Force. You know, like new types. Yeah. Isn't that what they that call? Can communicate telepathically. Isn't that what they're called? New types. They're called new types, yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to see that. Like, you know, something a little more focused. On, it doesn't even have to be Boba Fett. Obviously, I'm always going to fucking, my fandom's always going to veer over to the Boba Fett side of things. But a bounty hunter story of some sort would be sick to see. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, just from what I know of Japanese culture, I think it's hard to pass up the idea of the Jedi and the Force the duality of the dark side and the light side, uh, you, you know, the the basis of Shinto of being like spiritually connected to the elements of the planet around you, like the the rocks and trees and grass and stuff. That's super super Japanese to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's why I say it's it's easy to see why they focus so heavily on that in this first batch. But I could, and I loved it. But if we're going to continue getting these and, you know, there's been no indication for sure that we are. But if we do, I would maybe like to see a little variety. Um, I think it's because everybody had one shot. 
Yeah. They, they were like, shoot your shot. You and know? they were like, well, I'm shooting my... And buddy, I'm here to tell you, if I was the head of an anime studio or a director at an anime studio and the chance to do Star Wars came across my desk, do you know what kind of story I would want to tell? A story about... No, a story about Jedi and lightsabers. First and foremost, if I get one chance, if I get, you know, 14 to 22 minutes or whatever it is, that's where I would uh, lean to. But yeah, you know what, like, I think would be real badass would be a a pod racing short. Not even have it set somewhere besides Tatooine. Like, can you imagine that in anime style? It'd be amazing. Yeah. So. I wanted a to pod race set on a water world, one of the water worlds from yeah. oh. Resistance. Yeah. <clears throat> so I wanted to play something else that King Tom sent me. He did something real nice while I was in the hospital. Um, <clears throat> does the name Doctor Pierre Chang ring a bell to you, Will? Pierre Chang? No. Doctor Pierre Chang was one of the heads of the Dharma Initiative. I see. He was Miles's dad. He's okay. he's the guy you see in all of the Dharma Initiative orientation videos. He'll be like, hello, this is the orientation video for the Swan Station. Well, yeah. my, our buddy King Tom uh, went to um, a High con. No, 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 he went to a con over uh, last weekend or the weekend before when I was in the hospital. And yeah. um, he sent me this message. He got to meet <coughs> Pierre Chang. So listen to this. Hello, Haas. This is Dr. Marvin Candle. Please come back soon to play with the animals on Hydra. On behalf of myself and all of us here at the Dharma Initiative, namaste and good luck. Wow. Bruh. I just had Dr. Now, Dr. Marvin Candle is his fake name. His real name is Pierre Chang. I just had him tell me I need to get my ass back to the Dharma Initiative at Hydra. Hang out with all the yeah. polar bears and shit. Yeah, go feed the polar bears. Bro, do you know how stoked I was to hear that? I bet I can imagine very. It very it might be a slight slight understatement. <laughs> strong to quite strong. Strong to quite strong is more like it. Mostly agree. <clears throat> um. Okay. Let's see here who we got next. Uh, next up, we've got Mr. 100, Kobe. Now, Kobe, buddy. This, so you sent this to September 9th or 10th, buddy. We recorded September 9th and then took the 16th off because I was in the hospital mm-hmm. and then didn't do voicemails last week. And now here we are. So this this voicemail is a little old. Peace and love, buddy. I am very sorry. I'm sorry. You know we don't normally get this behind. My knee blew up, buddy. <laughs> Sausages. Hey, it's your boy Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. Um, what's poppin'? Hope you guys are having a great uh, day and week. Um, Star Wars is a little dry right now. I'm definitely starting to feel that, what you guys have been talking about. Obviously, this kind of happens... There's certain points of the year, every year, where Star Wars runs a little dry, um, especially if you're not getting a movie uh, this this winter. So, uh, 
I'm start, definitely starting to feel that, but it's all right because we've gotten a few things to kind of tide us over a little bit, which has been nice. Obviously, we're getting visions, which I am super amped for. Um, and then the announcement of the Kotar remake is just a nice little, you know, buzz of news that we can all talk about to kind of tide us over until some of the bigger stuff. But yeah, the Kotar remake looks dope, but I'm sure you guys have already talked about that and or will talk about it, so I'll leave that be. But um, this week for my question, I got one, a question that's more uh, like sentiment-based rather than just like, uh, you know, something to to discuss and talk about. Um Lately, I've been thinking back to some of my fond memories of my childhood, um, and obviously, a large majority of them have to do with Star Wars. Um, and I just wanted to know: here's my question: What is your guys's favorite, like Star Wars memory from your childhood, or at least your younger years? Like, not like not more recently into adulthood. I mean, this can be like anywhere from, you know elementary school to high school to college somewhere in there where at least it's you know a little ways ago um more more in the past the memory should be a little hazy um what's your guys's favorite memory i know mine uh, i'll keep it short but mine is um back around it had to have been either 2000 probably the summer of 2005 I, i can't remember if it was right before or right after revenge of the sith came out but um they, when they still had the Revenge of the Sith uh, line of action figures with the Darth Vader uh, back card. Um, obviously, I was buying the crap out of those. I still think those are my favorite uh, Star Wars action figure line to date. I mean, that's probably nostalgia-based, but um, I remember buying those, you know, getting all your favorite characters and, and you know, getting, getting as many as you could. And I remember um, my favorite memory about it is me and my cousin would go to my grandma's house and she had one of those uh sectional couches in the l shape but hers was like rounded and in the in the middle where it connects so if you butted it up against a corner like she did there was always a little space behind the couch because it's rounded and obviously the corner the corner of the room is square um so there was just a little section behind the couch where we could go and we would just like sit back there and we would open up the little pamphlets you got. I don't know if you remember the little pamphlets that came with the the action figures back in the day. Um, and they had all, like, the, the other ones you could buy. And it showed, like, different sets and vehicles you could go along with it. And we would just sit there and just open those up and just, like, look at them and be like, Oh, I want that one. And, oh, I want that one. And, oh, I can't wait to get that one. And, oh, you have this one. I'll trade you for this one. And it was just, like, one of my favorite just all-time memories it's it just like one of those things i think back to all the time and it just makes me so happy and just like makes me remember um the, the impact that star wars had on my life and how how it shaped me and how it you know how happy it made me as a kid and even now so i want to i want to know what those uh, experiences are like for you guys i want to hear the things that um that made you in terms of star wars so let's hear them they can be good or bad they don't have to be happy memories obviously mine was happy but um they can be good or bad or funny or um you know whatever so uh just let me know what they are i uh, hope you guys are having a good one as always you guys are the best peace out have a good one thanks kobe that's a good question um what do you got will do you have a, a sentimental star wars memory or two hit me with one and i'll hit you I, with one i do i have a couple um one is just I can remember very poignantly the lamp that was on in the room, the time it was at night, 
you know, watching Star Wars, renting Star Wars from the movies, you know, my dad talking it up real big. Maybe I had seen parts of it on TBS or something, you know, but like I remember it clicking. I remember like, oh, shit, this is tight. I like this. What what's this story? Who is Luke Scott? You know, being full of questions and just peppering my dad with, you know, all the questions of what is Star Wars and who is this guy? And, you know, I remember it clicking, you know, I don't know. I guess I was just old enough or finally mm-hmm. interested or whatever, but uh, I can very vividly remember that. And that's a good memory. So I have a, a very similar memory. Like I vividly remember the first time watching Star Wars, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sure I've told it on this show many a time before, but I was probably around four years old. And uh, a couple of days before, or however, you know, I don't know how long, uh, I was being babysat by my cousins, Brooke and Courtney. My cousins, Brooke and Courtney, huge influences on my life, right? Right. Still very close. They're, you know, it's one of those situations where my cousins, Brooke and Courtney, are essentially more like sisters to me than cousins. Right. Um, anyways, my cousin Brooke decided, hey, I want to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to let this four-year-old watch Nightmare on Elm Street with me. Uh-huh. And, you know, a normal four-year-old would watch Nightmare on Elm Street and be terrified. Right. Four-year-old Halls was obsessed delighted and so when my dad comes to pick me up i just tell him i snitch out on my cousin brooke and he's like oh you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be watching stuff like this and so then i was just obsessed with wanting to watch scary movies so my dad look (laughs) i can't say that my mom and dad were innocent in in, in all this because after the freddy krueger dam was broken they just kind of went along with it honestly And one evening, my mom was at work, and I was at home by myself with my dad, and I wanted to watch a scary movie. I was bugging the shit out of my dad to watch a scary movie. And he goes, well, man, it's it's been three close calls. And you text, I know you texted me this time. I know. I think maybe going to the hospital and being shot full of antibiotics and taking antibiotics at home has maybe dialed down my scare factor, because... What just happened normally would have been a scream for me, and it wasn't yeah. this time. Anyways, he was like, well, we don't have any scary movies, but I have a, I have this movie that you should watch, and I remember, just like you're talking about, I remember all the lights were off. My dad turned all the lights off. Uh, I was sitting on a green couch that we used to have in our house, and we watched A New Hope, and it wasn't like a VH, like an official VHS copy. It was a copy... Right. My dad had taped off of CBS, I believe. Oh, nice. With commercials and everything, right? Ooh. I still remember some of the commercials and when the commercial breaks happen. For instance, when Luke is looking down at the Banthas and the Tuscan Raider pops up and knocks him over, right then, commercial break. Um, and so that was my first time watching Star Wars. And much like you, it clicked. I was super obsessed. And just... I don't remember if my dad told me like, Hey, there's more of these or if I just didn't understand. But I remember sometime later being in a video rental store 
that was connected to a gas station. Did you ever have those? That would like one half would be a gas station and then they'd have like a little entrance to go into their video rental area. I'm sure I did. Like I can remember them, not specifically anyone, but the movie rental places where I grew up was like either movie gallery or mm-hmm. blockbuster. Hollywood video came along at the very end. Yeah. But, see, um, this was well before sort of franchise video, like the only video rental places we had, at least in Columbus at this time, we had a couple of gas stations that you could rent videos from. Mm-hmm. And we had a place called movie, movie time video that I got us banned from and maybe <laughs> one other. <clears throat> I remember uh, a movie rental place in Grenada that had an adult back room. Uh, and, I remember being in this video place and seeing Return of the Jedi and being like, oh, that's Star Wars. Like looking at the cover and being like, that's Star Wars. And showing it to my dad and going like, can we get this? There's another Star Wars movie. And he looked at it and he goes, well, this is the third one. And then he looked at the shelf and they didn't have Empire Strikes Back. So my dad was like, well, we got to go find Empire Strikes Back. And took me to another video store so he could rent Empire and Jedi at the same time. Oh, that's pretty valid. Which is not, was not my dad's typical MO. My dad was a very like, no, we're going to this video store. You're going to find something here. No indulgences. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, that's definitely a memory that sticks out. Renting Empire and Jedi for the first time and watching them back to back. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. And being uh-huh. devastated that Yoda died, buddy. Yeah, right. Devastated. Yeah, I know. Okay. Devastated at Lando's betrayal, too. That one messed me up. I was like, Lando, how could you? I don't think... Lando, how could you? You know, because I was like four or five, like I said. I don't know, because there were definitely elements of Star Wars that I didn't grasp very early on until later yeah and and i think that might have been one of them um okay the getting the toys for christmas those christmases like getting the toys like yeah i mean i remember playing with them as well but like i i remember i i guess it was just because i was old enough you know like you know i i wasn't young young you know yeah um that was great. I also remember watching Empire Strikes Back for the first time. And, you know, the big um, I am your father moment happens. Yeah. And turning to my dad and going, he's lying. No. And my dad having no spoiler policy, just being like, no, he's that's he's really his dad. And I was just like, wow. Just <laughs> like shaken to my core. <clears throat> um, all right. Next up, we got a voicemail from Eric Strothers. Uh, who knows what this could be? He could be dumping on my pronunciation. He, who knows? Let's see what it is. Oh, my Lord. It's music. This is like justice for it. What you are listening to is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in a podcast court. 
Both parties have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their disputes settled here in our forum, the Blue Harvest Court. It's the case of massive online gaming betrayal. The plaintiff, Hawes Burkhart, claims that the defendant, Mr. Luke Cruiser, brutally and willfully killed him in an online game of Halo 5. Luke Cruiser has this to say. Dude, I'm just an idiot. Mostly <laughs> impartial third party, Dallas Wood, had this to say. Oh, man. I'm so high right now. I have no idea what's going on. Hey, guys, it's Eric. Look, to be fair, uh, I played Red Dead Online, and I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all, but I played that, and uh, Cruiser joined in a couple of times, and I think he may have a valid argument here in this case. The guy is pretty much a maniac when it comes to anything where he's wielding a gun and surrounded by other online players. It's just, you never know what's going to happen, and you can typically bet that it's not going to be good for anybody. Either way, Jesus. I'm glad the heat's finally on him instead of me. So I got to tell you, I mean, I have really been enjoying the show, as you guys well know. And I used to listen to podcasts all the time at at least one and a half times speed. But, you know, listening to Blue Harvest, I had to slow it down to about three-quarter speed just so I could accurately nitpick everything that Hawes said and possibly oh, mispronounced. And it has been exhausting. I got to tell you. So, oh, you anyway, I think Taylor Swift is awesome. And until next time, I am out of here. There's going to be another Star Wars podcaster in the hospital after I get done with you. That was good. That was good. That was good. That was really good. I don't know that I buy his his defense of Luke Cruiser. I think maybe that is Luke Cruiser's cover for his wanton <laughs> murder of his friends in online games. I'm just a banana hands. Oh, look, I slipped. It was just slipped, and I was cleaning it, and it went off. <laughs> What's funny is I think you there may have been a dude boarded onto your uh there your was tank. Not. There was not. There was not. No. Okay. I watched the footage. The off and then, then had I not <laughs> had I not gone into the hospital, I would have have had the video edit put together by now of the incident of Luke Cruiser's betrayal. But, Probably from several different views. Oh yeah. It would have been like it would have been more examined than the Zabruda or Zabruda and then the assassination of JFK. All right. <laughs> uh all right. Next up we got one more voicemail and then we'll get to emails. This is from Neil. What's up, Oz and Will? It's your boy Neil giving you a call from Chicago. Um so uh, this is definitely related to Star Wars Visions. Um I wanted to tell you a funny story. This kind of um has something to do with the plot of both the duel and the ninth Jedi. So if anyone hasn't seen those, obviously um, I'm sure you're playing this after your spoiler warnings, and everything, but if they haven't seen those, um, you know, they may not want to listen to this, but uh, there's a character in the ninth Jedi that's called Rodin, uh, Rodin, I should say, R O D E N. And the first time, and he was one of the Sith that claimed to be a Jedi. Uh, when I was watching the first time, I thought, um, Kari uh, was talking to him, or one of the Jedi, I should say, one of the Sith was talking to him and said Ronin. And I thought they were talking about the same character. 
um, from the duel. So I thought somehow in my head at that exact moment uh, that the Margrave was actually Ronan from the duel and he was secretly rebuilding the Jedi Order to get back at the Sith, kind of continuing the idea of him collecting the crystals and smashing them or whatever. Um, so I thought that was really awesome and I thought they were connected and then I looked it up and found out that they weren't and was slightly disappointed, but I thought that would have been a really, uh, cool twist if that they were somehow, uh, in the same universe. But in any case, um, I really enjoyed all of them. Um, definitely had some favorites, uh, more than others, the duel, the ninth Jedi and Tatooine Rhapsody just for its, its goodness. Uh, the twins also was really awesome for the straight spectacle. Uh, but in any case, I uh, definitely hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope they do this again in the future with new studios because I think it was a really cool way to have Star Wars expressed, uh, you know, quite differently than most Star Wars fans are used to. And I think that's healthy for our fan base. Uh, but in any case, thanks again for all you do, boys, and uh, hope you have a great day. Bye. <clears throat> I could see how that would be easy enough to get confused, right? Yeah. I, uh, it would be kind of neat if we got like two that were sort of connected to each other. I guess it would be more likely to happen if it was the same studio. You know how like right. a couple of studios made more than one short. Obviously, I think that would be easier to pull off than like the, in, not that they couldn't do it, but the inter studio communication where they're like, hey, you guys should continue this one on. Right. But, um, easy enough to make that mistake. Rodin and Ronin, close enough, you know? Right. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Now we got some emails. This is from Amber. It says, Dear Halls and Will, hi guys, and I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Once again, this is an e email that came in on the 10th. So <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm starting to feel real bad about this. Oh, dude, you had a stint in the hospital. I think we're doing good. I've been listening to a lot of music mashups over the past year, so I thought I'd throw a fun question your way to fill the news drought. If you could drop a character from any non-Star Wars property into the Star Wars universe, no question asked, who would you pick? And who would you like them to interact with? Personally, I think it would be hilarious for R2-D2 to run into a Dalek and give it a run for its money. Take care and always keep up the incredible work. Peace, love, and raccoons, Amber. Ooh. Hmm. Who would you like to see dropped into the Star Wars universe, and who would you like to see them interact with? Mm. I have one that just popped in my head. And this, this just goes to show you how up anime's ass I've been since <sighs> Visions. But how neat would it be to see Spike Spiegel, Siegel, sorry, Right. What's it? What's his last name? I think it's Spiegel. Okay. I think it's Mike Spiegel. I can uh, be wrong. From Cowboy Bebop, interact with Han Solo. Uh, that would be cool. That would I be was thinking Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Like, I would love to see Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah. Look, 10 years ago, hell, probably even five years ago, that idea would have shot me to the moon right <sighs> malcolm reynolds interacting with han solo but now like the jaw i don't know that i want the joss whedon stank on star wars i was thinking more just like nathan fillion look 
love cool. Nathan. Peace and love. Love Nathan Fillion. Love him. Love Malcolm Reynolds. Obviously, I'm a huge Buffy fan. But once again, that you want to talk about a nosedive that a creator has done. Creator that I really enjoyed. Joss Whedon. So to a swimming pool with no water. Yeah. Yeah. So that one would be tough in that regard. Like I said, it would not have even been that long ago where that idea would have been perfect for me. You know? Yeah. Um hmm. Hurley from Lost, and who would I like to him to interact with? Fucking anybody. Yeah, just that would be cool. Hurley hanging out with Chewbacca, perfect. Although I feel like you know your sort of fantasy sci-fi characters probably work better for dropping them into, you know, not that Lost isn't fantasy or sci-fi, but it's a little more terrestrial based than some yeah. other things. Rick and Morty would. Be cool. Oh my god, Rick and Morty—that would be bananas. Did you finish? Have you seen the latest season all the way through? No, not all the way. I have like an episode or two of them lacking. I think I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I thought it was a very, I thought it was a strong season, but not my favorite season. I, I already agree with that. That, and partially because the season before I thought was really funny, yeah. especially the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Is that the one that Pickle Rick is in? Uh, as Pickle. Well? Pickle Rick might have even been the season before the that. The season before. Um, yeah. That it, season is fire too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, and not that, like, there hasn't been an episode from this latest season that I was like, oh, this is awful. It's just, I don't know. Like, they're all essential Rick and Morty. I don't know how it ends, but unless it's some giant emotional cliffhanger, it's not, it hasn't ended the way a lot of the other. Right. Seasons have ended. Rick and Morty would be pretty bananas. <clears throat> um, I do think the idea of uh, R2-D2 coming head-to-head with a, a Dalek is pretty funny. Yeah, or a Borg severed from the collective. Just like a single Borg that couldn't assimilate. Bor- a Borg interacting with uh, C-3PO. <clears throat> yep. All right, next up we have an email from Javier. Hey, Halls and Will. Javier from Denver. Totally meant to send this a few weeks back, but realized it was stuck in my drafts folder. Got a few questions for you this week. So Bad Batch did a good job of showing how quickly they transitioned from clones to stormtroopers. It seems they only wanted to keep Crosshair and the other Republic commandos around in order to train the upcoming stormtroopers. So what does this mean for our buddy Commander Cody? We assume he will show up in the Obi-Wan show, which is eight years after Revenge of the Sith, I believe. Do you think they kept one more clone around eight years later to hunt down Obi? Um, let's cover that first. I would not be surprised if we see Cody in Obi Wan, but I don't also don't think it's necessarily a given, right? Yeah, there's I, no, it doesn't serve a purpose outside of being neat. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what purpose. Maybe except it would, for redemption for Cody. No, but. no, sir. That's not where I was going. You know what I want to see happen if they bring Cody back is Obi-Wan get a little revenge on that ass for killing his fucking lizard. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. He got betrayed by his boy Cody. 
They were like quipping at each other. They're all cool. Who knows? Maybe even one lonely day on Sulakamaya, they gave each other a quick handy, a bro handy. You know, no attachments. It's not breaking the Jedi code. Yes. You know? But they were bros. They were tight bros. And then what's Cody do? He gets Order 66 ordered and he kills Obi-Wan's lizard. Fuck that. Omega would tell you it's not his fault. Yeah, well, I don't have to agree with absolutely everything <laughs> Omega says, okay? Okay? Okay. Um, okay. But I, I don't see any reason why, you know, eight years after Revenge of the Sith, they wouldn't keep some of the clones around. You know, they still serve a purpose besides just training. They're useful. I can't That's remember. That's another chunk of change with the young Tamara Morrison. I can't remember where, when the Darth Vader Lords of the Sith novel takes place. But it's, you know, a few years after Revenge of the Sith. And at that point, one of the Emperor's royal guards is a clone. So I think that's evidence that they do keep some of them around. Uh, And now for... Is the Fett clone or just a clone in general? Is one of of Jango's clones. Is a former clone trooper who has been promoted to Imperial Guard. And now for a more fun question. We all know R2 is a smartass. So with the way the Mando Season 2 ended, R2 shows up after Luke meets the gang. What do you think he was doing or saying as he strolled through the ship passing by all those dead dark troopers? I don't know. To me, that seems like R2, just another day at the office with R2 at this point. He's probably used to rolling through Luke's, you know. Handy. Wow, work. that looks like expensive scrap. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you'd be like, he's probably rolling through, going like, these guys kind of seem like a lame Power Rangers ripoff. That's <laughs> R two if he was our buddy Robo. That's some expensive robot parts to be getting sliced up like sushi. Yeah, for real. Also, closer to the high potion theme, I'm super hyped for Halo Infinite. Been playing tons of Master Chief Collection in Halo Five recently. If you guys ever need another teammate, let me know. Down to clown. Don't have to read a gamer tag on the pod, uh, but he included it. I'll send it to you, Will, too, if you want to add Javier. Hope you guys are both well and look forward to the next episode. Peace. Thanks, Javier. Amen. All right. Next up, we have an email from Sam. Howdy, Halls and Will. I hope you fellas are doing well this week. I recently was listening back to some of your older episodes and heard your reaction to the season two finale of Rebels. At the time, you both thought Ahsoka should have been killed by Vader. Do you still think that would have been the best way to handle the character, or do you think that they've what they've done with her since has improved the character to the point that saving her was worth it? Next, there was have been some rumors about live-action Clone War scenes in the Obi-Wan show. Those come across well. Would you be interested in seeing a live action Clone Wars project and film or series? And what kind of story would you want to see? Thanks for an amazing show and talk to you soon. Best wishes, Sam. P.S. Have you seen Taika Watiti's show, What We Do in the Shadows? If so, what do you think? So I haven't seen the What We Do in the Shadows show. I should check it out because something tells me I would do it. Um, I would say... For the most part, my opinion on the end of season two of Rebels has changed, right? I my, go, go for it. No, 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 go ahead. I still feel like 
all things said and done, that probably would have been, while dark, a pretty poignant fitting end for the character of Ahsoka if she died in that season two finale. It would have cemented Anakin's fall to the dark side completely, utterly and completely. For sure. Now, um, I'm going to be completely honest with you here. The way they got out of that, the way they got out of that situation with the world between worlds, I am typically a big old fan of weird, metaphysical, ethereal Star Wars stuff. World between worlds, not my favorite. And a little Deus Ex Machina for my liking. I didn't even dislike the like weirdly. I know this sounds contradictory. Didn't even dislike the episodes that it was used in rebels and how they pulled it off to me it opens a weird pandora's box in star wars where like once you start messing with temporal things it gets real magical right and i'm not i'm not opposed to magical but i also don't want this thing out there in star wars canon that any reckless create like you know we've been lucky with the creatives involved in Star Wars but you know there could come the time when someone gets involved in Star Wars that doesn't have the restraint of other people and Palpatine comes back for the third time or the world between worlds or even I mean that is frankly a best case scenario for how that would get used you know what i mean and not saying i would be a fan of it but that's best case scenario they could do some real goofy wacky shit with that right (laughs) now i mean to me yeah go ahead that all being said i i mean i love the character of ahsoka i'm excited that we're getting her in live action you know the idea of her going on this quest with Sabine to find Ezra, I think is very cool. I'm stoked for the Ahsoka show. So I'm happy we're getting all this. Uh, yeah. That's you what know, I was going to say. It's I'm a, super glad with everything Ahsoka we're getting. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but do I still feel like that was the end, you know, of her and Anakin's story? Uh, yeah. It, that it, was the opportunity. It was, it was the opportunity. And, you know, I am a fan of Dave Filoni. And, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people, you know, I do feel like sometimes stuff gets piled on Dave Filoni uh, unfairly, both positive and negative, right? Yeah. You know, I don't think Dave Filoni is necessarily like the, <laughs> the savior of all Star Wars. I enjoy a great per percentage of what Dave Filoni does in Star Wars, for sure. So glad he made the transition to working in live action and has been so heavily involved with the Mandalorian and so on and so forth. I think all that stuff's great. I think he's a cool guy. He knows his shit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I also agree with people that feel like maybe he has a tendency to not want to kill off his characters or and, keep and his characters know, the alive. Thing, the characters got legs, right? You created oh, a yeah. character that's got legs. The for longevity, sure. the time frame. Like that character can go for a while. Yeah, and but it, inevitably, like, eventually 
every you character know, has to die at some point. And this is die. and you want an epic death. And I thought death at the hands of Darth Vader was an epic death. Right. And it would have been a fight this century. Um but you know, this is not like I said, this is not to say I don't enjoy what we've gotten with um Ahsoka because I do. And you know, Ahsoka's one of Jesse's favorite characters as well. So I uh, particularly appreciate the fact that you know she has that to enjoy with star wars and is getting a cool live action version and i mean she may go off into those unknown regions and old woman jedi herself to the very end you know we may not see the end of ahsoka for a long time yeah i mean that's totally possible Maybe she's in star wars the thing is is i just the thing with ahsoka and and it's also becoming a thing with grogu with our buddy baby yoda too is i don't like sort of the complicated writing around of the character that they have to do sometime to explain why she's not around for certain important things. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know because you go into the clone wars cartoon and Anakin's got, uh, got an apprentice now and her name is Ahsoka, but she's not around in episode three. And so I think naturally a lot of people's, uh, assumption was like, Oh, something bad happens. Right. Uh, and then you got to sort of ride around that. Well, she gets, you know, she leaves the Jedi order and goes out on her own. Honestly, that's probably the best of the riding around they had to do with Ahsoka. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So if she survived, why isn't she around for the <laughs> original trilogy? Bro, that's when that shit gets complicated. Yeah. That's when it gets real complicated. But I, I, you know, I definitely don't have as intense feelings about, the season two finale of rebels as I did when it first aired for sure. Um, would I be interested in seeing a live action clone wars project and film or series? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love clone wars and honestly I'll take just about any star Wars they want to give us, but what if they gave us an abridged clone wars that was live action? Eh, I, I I don't want that. If they give us something, I would rather it be a new story. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I don't need a retelling of any of the Clone Wars arcs in, in live action. You want to flashback to something like that in the Obi-Wan series? That's cool. But I don't... If you're going to do it, give me a new story that we haven't seen before. I'd be cool with that. But also, on the other hand, like, for me... Personally, I love the Clone Wars, but it's a little tapped out right now. You know, we've gotten a lot of Clone Wars. It's been, I mean, you know what? It's it's clones versus droids. Sidious pulling the strings on every angle like right. that. There is no the Jedi don't win ever. You know, they might think they have a victory, but Sidious is pulling that string, too. So like, but if we were to get it's very know, bleak, a limited series telling some sort of. Uh, Clone War story. I would, I would like to see like you know maybe a Plo Koon story or a Ala Sakura story. You know, I, I don't know Voss. necessarily that an or a uh, Quinlan Voss. You know, something like that. I don't know that I would necessarily need an Anakin, Ahsoka, or Obi Wan story because we got a lot of that in the animated. And uh, you know, no offense to Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor, they don't. They don't, they don't look like they did back in the episode two and three era. Yeah, they're old. The Mandalorian thing would be cool. 
prequel era Mandalorian. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, there's definitely things that would be fun to see. You know, honestly, I think it's just because we've gotten so much Clone Wars. If you separate, if you separated me from the Clone Wars by a couple of years, and then they announced it, I'd probably be real stoked on it, right? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of that we just got another season of Clone Wars at the beginning of last year. You know, it's probably the most entertaining warfare, right? You've got genetically trained super soldiers, ace pilots, Jedi generals, you know, and, and the enemy is, you know, mechanical fodder, but they are the most impressive militarily. Right. If that makes any sense. Stormtroopers are kind of bumbling idiots led by the super evil. <laughs> or I don't know. I, I just get that vibe. You know what I mean? Right. They soldier good enough, I guess. Um, next up, we've got an email from Billy. We got two more emails. Hey, Halls and Will, I just listened to the podcast you did on Visions with Steve, and it was an absolute ripper of an episode. And I'm really looking forward to looking into many of the recommendations y'all gave during that episode and the continuing talk about Visions to come. To me, anime is less about the content that make, that you're seeing on screen and more about the way it makes you feel. For that reason, I love all these shorts because they all captured the feelings I feel watching Star Wars in many different ways. I hope that makes sense because I guess it might be somewhat of an abstract concept to be more interested in a feeling than an overall concept, but I believe it adequately describes my relationship with anime because there's a lot of weird shit I just need to look past to be able to enjoy many anime movies or shows. As for a question... If there was season two of Visions announced, which particular studio would you be most interested in seeing their hand at Star Wars? For me, it would be Comics Wave Film, who made my favorite anime movie, Your Name, which is a trippy sci-fi movie about relationships. I think they do a great mystical-type Star Wars offering. Thanks for your time and have a great day. I need to check out Your Name. I've never seen that. Sounds like something I'd be into. All time, hands down, Studio Ghibli. Right, that's got to be like the 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 big boy. That's got to be the one that would break the internet, for lack of a better term. Ghibli, Ghibli, doing Star Wars. Oof, that would be a big one. Secondary, I, I'd like Bones. I'd like to see what Bones. I was going to say Bones. Bones did uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That's maybe my favorite anime of all time so i'd be very uh, very excited about that uh mappa would be another one that i think would be really cool they did uh, at least the latest uh season of attack on titan mm. um there's another one that was oh i just had it on the tip of my tongue uh, oh, uh, 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 what's the name of the studio? Fuck. Um, Gainax, who did mm -hmm. Evangelion. Mm -hmm. You know, that yeah. would be cool. Did you know that um, Trigger Studio, by the way, who did, you know, The Twins and The Elder, uh, they sort of spun off from Gainax. I did not know that. They were... I don't know if I'm saying that studio. It might be Gynex. I could be getting the name of that wrong. But uh, yeah, the the head of Trigger 
worked for that studio. And if I'm not mistaken, even produ- produced Gurren Lagan under that studio and then left to start his own studio with Trigger, which is pretty cool. That is neat. That is neat. All right, we got one more email. Then we're caught up, I believe. <clears throat> um, this is from Allison. Hello, Halls. I am so glad to hear you're doing better, and I hope your recovery continues to go quickly and smoothly. Thank you. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved learning about behind-the-scenes details of movies. I would watch all the featurettes and commentaries religiously, soaking up every detail that I learned from them. My love of behind-the-scenes detail has continued to this day. As soon as I finish a movie or TV show, I go straight to IMDb and read the trivia page and scour the internet for as many details as possible. One of my favorite details to learn is how filmmakers can find unique sources of inspiration to create iconic moments in their movies or show. For example, the sound of the TARDIS in Doctor Who was created by running a key up and down a piano string. Oh, that makes sense. When looking into Star Wars trivia, I found out that the shot of the coaxium explosion in Solo was inspired by one of my favorite YouTube channels, Slow Mo Guys, from a video where they set off small firecrackers in a fish tank filled with water. The head of ILM, Rob Bredow, gave a p- keynote sp- a keynote speech a keynote speech in 2018 mm-hmm. about innovations they have made in co- computer graphics and effects and discussed how they mixed a practical explosion with CG effects to create the final version in the film that's really cool i did not know that do you have a favorite moment effect sound etc in a star wars movie or any movie or tv show that has a weird or unique inspiration for it also here's the links to the relevant videos that i mentioned oh i'll check those out i love watching some youtube so i will save that and check those out for sure um i mean i don't know if this is the same thing that allison allison is talking about but i remember there was this really formative moment in my life leading into leading up to the phantom menace and 60 minutes had this whole special on the special effects of the phantom menace right and this was like maybe a month or two before it came out in 1999 and watching that is literally what led me to want to do computer animation and that's what i went to college for Mm -hmm. uh, before i dropped out um And I remember being so fucking fascinated that the waterfalls on Naboo were made with salt. Salt, yeah. By pouring salt. That is one of just the coolest things. Well, at least I thought so. Um, And then I remember as a kid seeing how they made the laser sounds in Star Wars by hitting a wrench against like this, you know, like the the metal the cords. Coil. Yeah, that goes up to like a power pole or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, I wonder if I could do that. And then doing it and it made a similar sound to a Star Wars yeah. la- laser and it yeah. blowing my mind that I could um, recreate that. The, the clip in one of the do- early documentaries of the, the sound engineer, you know, going through and finding all the sounds, recording the bear, tiger, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, mixing all those together. Like that was to a great make uh, Chewy. Yeah. Yeah. 
those clips stick with me as my favorite behind the scenes. Um, also like how one of my favorite behind the scenes things and, and something that in obviously influenced star Wars is when, uh, and I think this is an empire of dreams when George Lucas goes to visit ILM to see their progress on the first movie. And he's like, he freaks out and then basically gives them a bunch of stock world war two footage of dog fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And is like, use this as inspiration. Like he had to like step in and get everybody in line. Cause they were all just hanging out in the ILM office, smoking weed and not getting anything done. Taking still shots of these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Star fighters. Like, no, I need them dog fighting. Yeah. Um, I always liked that story. Um, I don't know that this is star Wars taking inspiration from anything. But there's a moment in the beginning, the documentary about the making of the Phantom Menace, when they are testing a practical Jar Jar with like, um, with Ahmed Best in a costume and also a puppet version, right? Mm -hmm. And look, it's clear that for what they want Jar Jar to do, it's not going to work. And they're talking to George and he's like, how much did we spend on this? And it's some crazy amount. Like, I can't remember what it is, but I want to say it's like a hundred thousand dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. They sent uh, spent on this Jar Jar experiment for it not to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a pretty interesting, crazy moment. Right. So yeah, that's some of mine. Um, I like knowing that Peter Cushing is wearing his fuzzy slippers. Oh my God. I love that hope. too. I like knowing that, uh, uh, that Sir Alec Guinness was trying to fence with, uh, what's the guy in the Vader suit? Oh, uh, oh shit. Johnny Grosso loves him and I can't think of his name. What was that? Uh, why can't I think of this any other day? Um, anyway, D- David Prowse, David Prowse. Perfect. And, um, the fact, cause you know, he said he knew how to sword fight and he did not. And, uh, it's funny watching the two of them go at it, knowing that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Those are some of the behind the scenes stuff that I like. Yeah. Yeah. I like some of those too. All right, buddy. That does it for us. I think I'm going to double check, make sure we haven't gotten any emails that I missed. Because I would hate to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when I'm talking all this shit about, oh, we're getting caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're doing all right. All right. Um, hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, you know understanding that it took us a while to get to your voicemails and emails. I don't like to have a backlog like that. I'd like to avoid that if possible. Um, hey. How about you leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't already? Super helpful, and we definitely appreciate it. Check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music for our theme song, their Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Listen to the High Potion podcast with me and our buddy Steve if you're into video games. And we'll see you next week. We're going to be talking uh, at least about Tatooine Rhapsody and whatever else comes along. 
Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.